This is Unplugged, 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 Unplugged. Welcome to this episode of Unplugged. Yeah, this is going to be uh, an intense uh, episode because of the subject matter. But I think it, yeah, it needs some attention because it is something that I know a lot of people have questions about in the body of Christ. And uh, yeah, personally, the Lord's been dealing dealing with me also on this subject. So I just felt that I would share some of the things that honestly I'd never seen before. Or maybe I'd read them, but I'd never really taken time to let them sink in because, you know, sometimes we read things from scripture and we just think the Lord uh, just does things rara. You know, the Lord calculates every move, every scripture, every word that we read in the Bible is calculated. There's a scripture that says, the voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The voice of the Lord is behind, is upon the waters. So that means everything that we read in scripture, patterns, how God did things and all of this, there's a purpose to it. There's a purpose to help us in in this situation so without further ado the subject for today is on this topic about marriage and the title of of this episode you know i think is is feeding who is my wife who is my husband who is my wife who is my husband so there there's a lot as i said at the beginning of this just a few minutes ago that uh the lord has really downloaded in me just from personal experience and i won't divulge too much information for the sake of parties involved and concerned but um i'll give you a little bit of a backstory and then I'll, I'll just dive into some things that I'd never seen before on this subject of marriage. You know, who's my wife? Who's my husband? So how did we even get here? And um, a while ago, I personally asked the Lord, I said, reveal to me who I'm going to marry. And so I, I received some dreams and visions and... You know, the 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 long and short of it is, um, I had become a little bit overwhelmed. You know, it had become overwhelming to grasp. You know, you know some of the information that I I I received in those dreams and visions. It, it became overwhelming to grasp for a couple for a number of reasons. But anyway, so. Um, they said it caused me a little bit of stress, actually, not just a little bit, you know, it became like a thorn in my flesh, uh, because sometimes when you receive information, you know, you, you, you know, you, you, you're wondering how to deal with it, you know, how to process it. And anyways, I say uh, I told the Lord eventually, I said, listen, um, if this came from you or if this didn't come from you, uh, the bottom line is, is that I need peace in this situation. Um, I can't keep up like this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put these dreams on the altar like Abraham did Isaac. I'm going to sacrifice them. So we know that God speaks to us in dreams. 
That's true. Visions. But the primary way God talks to us is through his word. The primary way that God talks to us is through his word. Now, someone, someone, someone may, someone may disagree with that and say, yeah, but for me, I receive most of my communication through dreams. That's true. Maybe the reason you receive most of your communication through dreams is because um, you are not, is because maybe you haven't figured out how to receive communication through the word. But the primary way that God talks to people is through his word. Why is that? Because dreams can be corrupted. You know, Satan cannot, Satan cannot bring you another Bible. I mean, there's different translations right now where people take things out of context, but that's a different story. The point here being the main way that God communicates is through his word. Now, you may not be at a stage where he talks to you primarily through the word where you receive a lot of communication through dreams and this, that. but the primary way, the default way that God talks is through his word. Because the scripture says the spirit and the word agree. Because it's the Holy Spirit that inspired men uh, to write the word of God. Right? So the primary way God speaks is through is through his word. Because remember also um, that the scripture says, in the beginning was the word. Right? In the beginning was the word. So that should tell you something. The scripture doesn't say in the beginning was dreams and visions it says in the beginning was the word so the word has always been the fundamental way for everything so if you receive a dream and you can't confirm it using the word of god then you should press pause on taking action on the communication if you receive a dream and you can't confirm it using the word of god then you should press pause on that action. Because in the beginning was the word, not dreams and visions. So the most guaranteed way, the one, number one way, the only way that you can certify any dream, any vision, or when someone comes and says, I have a word for you, or any directive, any path you feel led to take, is you need to have the a confirmation through the word of God. You need to have the word of God reveal or confirm that thing. Confirm that dream, that vision, that directive. And this is how it will typically work. Um, personally, let, let's say the way this the way this works for me in other areas is let's say something something might happen in the natural in the natural world right and then as a, you know it could be that very day or the next couple of days as i'm venturing through the word of god i will read something that will portray an image of something that happened in the natural so that's how now the word of god the word of god this is why the scripture says the word of god is quick and powerful it's living the word of God can take, can speak to you using a natural situation, something that happened. And you'll find a description of the thing in the word of God. Then you'll be like, oh, okay. So then you, you can confirm it. Or also, the word of God could also tell you something. And then when you go out in the natural world, you could see something happen that is, a, is like a mirror image of what you read in the word of God. Or you could read the word of God and it would tell you something. Then someone could come along and tell you, hey, I, I believe this, this, and that. And then you go, oh, okay. So then that comes back as a confirmation. 
but always the root has to be in the word of God. You have to run everything. We have to run everything in our lives through the word of God, which is the primary primary lens for us to confirm uh, things that are happening, things that are being said to us, or directions that we feel we need to take. It has dream, vision, even if it's a prophetic word. In fact, I shared this with someone who said, if the first time you receive a word of God through, is, 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 is through prophecy, um, because prophecy, it comes as a confirmation. Okay, so if someone says something and you haven't heard it from the word of God, you should press pause. If someone says something and you haven't heard it from the word of God, you should press pause. You shouldn't just take one prophetic word and run with it. No, you have to confirm things with the word of God. You have to confirm things with the word of God. So the word of God has a lot to say about marriage, spouses, and all of this. And because, I, as I said, with a little bit about my backstory, how we even arrived here, is I just went to the Lord and said, okay, let's go back to the basics. A lot of things that I'm doing in my life, I'm doing them because the first time I got instructions from the Word of God. So I'm moving forward in that direction based on what the Word of God has told me. And then now, what's really interesting is that People have started to come into my life and prophesy things. But it's interesting because before those prophecies ever came, I first received those things in the word of God. So for me, when, a pro when someone comes and now prophesies, I'm like, oh yeah, it's just confirmation of what the Lord already has told me. So there's a, there's a surety or there's a guarantee. I mean... The, the, prof, the prophetic becomes different for me because I've already heard about it in the word of God. And so someone comes and speaks into my life along those lines, saying words and, and, and speaking the same words that the scriptures have told me. I just know, okay, this, this, this is in line with what the Lord has told me. And now this has started to happen more, more frequently. And I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm like, wow. But you see, a lot of people go out looking for a prophetic word. No, 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 no. You should first be looking for a rhema word from God. You should be seeking the Lord for a word for yourself. And then he will send a prophetic word to confirm it. Don't live your life on, 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 on prophecy, meaning that every decision, you, you're just going to... Um, to uh, if you don't have a word, first get a word and then let prophecy come and confirm it. But don't go out just to look for a prophetic word without having a word for, 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 for yourself from the word of God. Because you can fall into all kinds of trouble. So all of this is a backstory of where I'm building up to go. Anyways. I, I eventually was like, God, I, I just can't keep doing this. I, I need peace. I, I need peace uh, in my life on the situation. Um, I'm putting the dreams, visions, all of them back on the altar. I'm going to sacrifice them. Now, I need you, first of all, to reveal some things that I don't know. Um, basically, I just asked him, I said, um, Lord, how do you even put marriages together? I said, okay, I've seen dreams of visions, but let's first put that to the side. Now, show me through your word if I, what are the principles that I can look at, and then I can take those principles, show me those principles, then unveil to me these principles, and then use these principles to point to different things happening in the natural and I will know my answer. 
And he just started to unveil some things to me. And I was like, oh my goodness. So I picked up scriptures and I said, let us go to the first place where the first marriage happened. And this was between Adam and Eve. So at first, I didn't see it, to be honest. And I kept rereading it again. And I kept kind of going back and forth and, and, and meditating on it and saying, at first when I read it, I said, this does not really give me any answers. And then I, you know, I, I read it again, walked away from it, just meditated on it. Then I came back to it. And sometimes this is what will happen with scriptures is that you will, you have to stare at the scripture until it becomes life. Because Proverbs says, first of all, Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So when sometimes you have to just stare at the scripture and let it become life. And literally let the life out of that scripture form. Let, let, let the seals go off of that scripture and let it just, just come out of the page. And then you'll be like, oh my goodness, now I see it. So there's different passages that we always read. You know, there's the famous one, the you know, Proverbs 31 woman, virtuous woman. We'll get to that. But I wanted to see how does God put marriage together? Because a lot of people asking, you know, I'm speaking, I, I speak to a lot of people in the body of Christ and you know, this is, especially around our generation, you know, people who are in their, let's say anyone from, let's say who's from between 25 to 35, you know, anywhere between 25 to, there's a whole generation of people now who are in there. Uh, I'll say even all the way up to maybe 40, you know, you know, people who are within that prime age to get married and, 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 and some haven't yet, you know, uh, they haven't yet found, again, listen to some of the words that we're used to saying. Some of them haven't found. Some of them do not know. So there's this lingering things like, okay, who's my husband? Who's my wife? So I read Genesis chapter 2, and we'll, we will go there. And you'll see some of the things that I've never seen. So this is in Genesis chapter 2. Now, for clarity, I'm just going to read it out of the uh, King New King James, just so that it's absolutely clear. So, in Genesis chapter two, this is after God, you know, you know, the the Garden of Eden is there, and and, and all of those things, the tree and everything. Now, it's very interesting because in Genesis chapter two. Starting from verse 18, this is, this is the famous scripture. A lot of us know the scripture. It says, and the Lord God said, it is not good that a man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Wow. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But it says, but for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. This is, I mean, this is already... <laughs> Just let's just keep going. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now 
bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now, even just rereading this alone, already there's like so much revelation coming out of it again. This is the thing when you let a scripture be open up unto you. Like you can read, if you, if you keep reading a scripture, let me say 10 times, you'll get 10 different revelations. You keep seeing some. Now, the things that I'm seeing right now that I didn't even see before. But from the first time when I read this, the main principle for me, it because was the Lord was telling me, Calvin, you're stressing about this situation. Don't let these dreams or whatever stress you out. Why? The key is in verse um, is in verse 21. It says, no, verse 22, Genesis 2, chapter 22 says, Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. So for me, right there, that freed me. He said, he brought her to the man. Said, do not even pursue. Said, don't, that's, that, that's already out of, a, that's already out of alignment in how I do it. Because I brought Eve to Adam. I brought Eve to Adam. He said, change your heart posture. Do not pursue. I brought Eve to Adam. But here's the thing that he also said. He said, who? He said he, he took the reed out of Adam, out of the man. And he made into a woman. So there's different things happening here. He, Adam was there. He formed the woman. Now, if you read from the from the King James, I like also kind of the terminology it uses. It says, "And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman. Made he a woman. The whole concept here, the Lord was telling me, is that I am making her. I am making her." I am making her. So you see, the Lord God is forming your wife. After he forms her, the Lord is faithful. He will not withhold any good thing from us. That's what the scripture says. After he formed Eve, he, when she was ready, when Adam was ready to receive her, the Lord, after the Lord had formed her and Adam was ready to receive her, the Lord brought heart to him. Do you see how this works? So he said, son, I will, I am forming your wife and I am going to bring her to you. So don't stress about it. And he said, be patient with me. Let me form her and bring her to you. So you see, fellas, let, let the Lord form her and, and even and even his founder, he says he will and he brought her to him. And you can see this all in so many examples now in scripture about some marriages in scripture and how they came together. You can clearly see that this was the pattern. Now, let me first talk about <laughs> there's some now listen to what this says. This is even okay, let me get into the next part. Because it says, but for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. My goodness. Now we can talk about this from the man's side from from the from the man's side and from the woman's side. <laughs> 
So let's say you're you're being about your father's business. Maybe the reason you, you see you see the Lord from the Lord's point of view, he wants to bring you someone comparable to him. On what degree? We shall get into that later on. The, but for Adam, there was no found a helper comparable to him. And in fact, this rings so true because even before, I remember last uh, last year. Yeah. Last year or this year? I think it was last year. It must have been last year. Last year or this year? Anyways. I just remember one time I was I was in I was in church. And I think it was this year. I was in church anyways. And I received this vision. And I, because the Lord, you know, and 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 I was standing probably three rows back, seated part probably like three or four rows, three, three or four rows back from the altar. And in that moment, the Lord spoke to me and said, Son. Keep coming to the altar. Keep coming to the altar. The person, he said, as you come closer to the altar, the person, let's say your wife, the person who is also coming. So, so keep coming to the altar. Meaning it was, it was, it was like, a, it was like, a, it was like, a, an explanation of this thing of don't worry about your wife and all of that. He said, you just keep coming closer to me. When you get to my altar, which means when you get as far as you can deep into my presence, deep into relationship, is that there will be another woman who will likewise be doing the same. There'll be another woman who is also that's that's what she's been doing. She's moving closer to the altar of God. She's moving closer into his presence. She's moving closer into his purpose for her. He said, eventually, when you when when you come here, you will open up your eyes, you'll just have to look right. She'll be there. Mrs. Wright. Ha ha ha. But anyways, he's saying this whole and, and in fact, that's why I had really um, even put this whole subject off the shelf uh, last year, and I would joke around when 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 someone would ask to say, "Oh, yeah. say, oh, you're not dating, you're not doing this." I said, "No." I said, "I said the Lord brought Eve to Adam," and you know, I was just saying that as a joke, but I didn't really have an interpretation of it. I didn't have the understanding that I received about uh, that I received last week. It's so funny that sometimes, you know, you can say things and. You don't know that there's actually spiritual codes behind it. And you're just saying it. And you know, during that whole time when my heart posture was not, you know, like seeking and, and I just kind of run with it. And I was just like, ah, ha, ha. In fact, people would laugh. They'll say, you're crazy. They say, see, you're not dating. You're not doing this. I said, I'll just be laughing. I was just saying, ah, you know, God will bring me my Eve. He brought Eve to Adam. But I never really had the revelation but that I just received like last week and this week and now as I'm reading these scriptures. And I can see it totally makes sense. And, the, and, and I remember the Lord telling me, said, you just keep coming to the altar. The person who will be comparable to you will be the woman who has also taken her, her cross. Who has, because it says, whoever loses his life will gain it and whoever gains his life will lose it so likewise as you keep coming closer to me seeking my presence seeking your purpose in me pursuing me there's a woman who's doing the same and when you turn around you won't have to turn your neck backwards look try to look through the congregation i'm using this as a parable you know open stones archives go to every networking event uh, go to every church meeting, go to these to find out who he is. No, no, no. He said, when you look right, she will be there because she will also have come in at the altar. You people will have basically both grown in me 
kind of at about the same rate. And I will just say, son, meet my daughter. Daughter, meet my son. And that will be it. That will be it. That will be That will be it. And so when I eventually, when I, when I decided to ask him and say, okay, um, unveil his principles of marriage to me. I was like, oh my goodness. Now I see it. I was right the whole time the way I decided to approach this thing. And I had no stress about it at all. So anyway, so the stress um, that tried to get on me, I had to deal with it. And I can see that the most she would wait, the most, the best person for you, the best person for you is right here in what the scripture says. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. On what levels? Spirit, soul, body. Our makeup is spirit, soul, body. So marriage, the best person for you will be the one that is comparable to you on three levels. Spirit, soul, body. Paul says, sanctify holy. What? The three parts of our of, of us. Your spirit, your soul, your body. That's the best person who's comparable to you. Now, 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 this is also very interesting. There's some things to get into here. So the first thing that we've that, that I've shared is that mm -mm, don't seek. That stay about the father's business. You know who was about the father's business? It was Adam. Adam didn't even know that he needed a, that he needed a helper. He didn't know. But you see, the Lord says, our Heavenly Father knows what we need even before we ask him. So, but you see, what's also very interesting that I that I that I, I had never seen is this. When the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone, I will make him a helper comparable to him. That's not when he went out and brought Eve and formed her. No. So, ladies, this is actually for you. If you're wondering, and, and of course, you know, with these things, you have to be discerning, right? If you're if you're really wondering, you know, who's Adam, you know, who's my Adam type of thing, and you, the, this is these are some guiding principles you can look at. Now, think about this. In verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. But the Lord God goes ahead instead and says, out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. Do you see? He created puppers. Adam first walked in his purpose. Now, he did not fulfill his purpose, but Adam had already entered the line of his calling. His calling was to be able to tend to the Garden of Eden. That was his purpose and calling. He was to look after the Garden of Eden, the plants, the animals, and everything that was in there. That was his calling. Isn't it interesting that before God brought Eve to Adam, he first gave Adam purpose. Ah, do you see that? Because in verse 18, it says, it is not good that man should be alone. But in verse 19, he goes through a whole creation process of creating the beasts, every bird of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. Adam starts to work on this assignment. Adam calls, called Eve. Uh, every living creature that was the, the 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 and that was its name. He gave names to all cattle, all the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But it says, but for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. Meaning that it was it, Adam, ladies. This is how you should verify. As Adam was deep in God's purpose, planted in his garden of Eden, that is when, as Adam was working, that is when God said, that is when. 
God found it worthy. God found it suitable. God said, okay, now the timing is right. Adam's purpose is now calling upon him. He has a purpose and vision to fulfill. So let me find him someone to help him fulfill this calling. And that's why scripture says there was not found a helper comparable to him. Comparable to him on what degrees? Spirit, soul, and body. Uh, destiny, purpose, and calling. Now, so I, I had this conversation with um, one of my sisters. And I was so happy by her reposturing of her heart on this whole concept of who is my husband. And she's basically come to a place where she said, you know what? I, I don't care about um, finding someone, you know, who is already self-made, as the world likes to call them. You know, someone who already has uh, accomplished, because the whole purpose, which, which we'll get into, the whole purpose of marriage, we'll get into that shortly. But now her posture has changed to, I want someone that I'm connected to, who's that I'm comparable to, or who's comparable to me on spirit, soul, and body. You know, because the, the, the it's the spirit that profits. The flesh profits nothing. So, oh my goodness, this is, uh, there's so many things that I, that I, let me, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find the best way to say it. There's so much here that the Lord has just pulled back for me and I see it. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is why the body of Christ has been messing up. Think about it. Anyway, back to her point. We had this conversation like uh, last Friday. And so she said, I want to find someone who's comparable to me, spirit, soul, body. Now, ladies, the same way God used this parameter to, to say, I need to, I need to make someone, to form someone for Adam who's comparable to him. And now the revelation we're getting is that comparable in what metrics? Spirit, soul, and body. Spirit being number one, because the scripture says the, the, it's the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Okay, so the, you can look at this, the flesh as the body, which means all these physical attributes and whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. It profits nothing. Why is that? Because, in fact, we were laughing. I was laughing at her. No, not laughing at her. I was laughing and telling her. It's so funny because a few years ago, um, as many of us, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one who is guilty as charged on this thing. You know, we would all uh, have, you know, celebrity crushes. Well, if you never did, well, that's fair. But so we would all look at some of these people and be like, oh my goodness. You know, they would look like, out of this world, so to say. And so you would you would you would feel like the person who's with them is like the luckiest person on earth. So I was telling her that I am so angry and I feel cheated because some of these people, some of my celebrity crushes are now being passed around. <laughs> For lack of a better word. Please, please bear with me. Because I just see them. Back then, I was like, oh, my goodness. You know, you would feel like, oh, the person who's ended up with your celebrity crush is the luckiest man in the world or is the luckiest woman in the world, you know, if you're a lady. But first forward, and I'm seeing some of these people like marriage number four, just in just dating left, right, and center, can't keep a marriage together. This marriage is breaking up. Relationship every three years, someone every six months. I'm like... I really feel cheated. I was like, I'm taking, I really need to take back my celebrity crush points. Because at that point, we were only looking at outward appearance. Oh, they look attractive. Oh, he's handsome, dark, dark, tall, and handsome. Oh, she's this. 
And we thought that that was the epitome of marriage. That was the epitome of romance. And we were deceived. I was deceived. I was deceived. And so the Lord is laughing at me saying, look at so-and-so. We used to crash over. I am not going to spill my celebrity crashes on here. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I honestly don't have any more celebrity crashes. I don't. I really don't because I've just come to plus to say all human beings are flawed and I, I just can't put my stock in any human being anymore. Even I used to have a lot of celebrity crushes, even in the business world. Uh, people that I really admired and wanted to be like, not anymore. Because you know what? Fast forward, there's certain characters that are character flows that people have and some that have been magnified through some of the people that I admired in the business world. And I, I, that's not a person that I'm going to model my life after. You know, the, the things that are core to me, my values and my principles of how I live. So you can admire qualities in people. Let's say you can admire the way someone does something, but to have them as this person that you look up to and you want to be like is totally building an idol. And we know that's one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shall have no other God besides me. The scripture says, be imitators of Christ. The only idol we're supposed to have is Jesus Christ. The scripture tells us to be imitators of him. Copy him. Basically, right now, everything in my life, I say, I want to be like Jesus Christ. I want to love like Jesus Christ. I want to be generous like Jesus Christ. I want to be compassionate like Jesus Christ. I want to do business and be profitable like Jesus Christ. That's my idol. I've, I've toned down all other so-called celebrity idols. I don't have any of them. I do not have any of them. It's okay to say so-and-so is good at this and learn how they do it and appreciate their skills, their giftings, but to have them as an idol and basically try to model your life after them and want to be like them, that's idolatry. And that's the problem of the world today is that, and this is the, this is the other thing, people put, put, put celebrities as idols, they want to be like them. And then when stories come about, maybe this person say these derogatory things in their private life, you, you, you now you start to cancel someone. You're disappointed. Because it feels like the model of being or existence that you were trying to go after or trying to copy is false. So, anyways, com com comparability, as we see God saying here, is supposed to be on three levels. Spirit, soul, and body. So, ladies, if you really want to know, now, he's, again, here's some parameters to know. Who, if you're asking that question, but here's how you can know. First is, just keep pressing towards the altar of God. And that's what I told one of my sisters. I said, listen, I'm just going to go back to what the Lord told me about this issue, how to deal with it. And I suggest you do the same, which is just keep on moving towards the altar of God. As you move towards the altar of God, God is not trying to put marriages together to shortchange people, right? There's comparability, compatibility. But it has to be on three levels, spirit, soul, body, in that order. Priority should be spirit, soul. Body should be the last thing. Body should be the last thing. Because you know what? Even in Proverbs 31, where we, where we, the famous passage scriptures about the, the virtuous woman and all her qualities, this is what it says about her beauty. This, this is to show you the value of, of the body, of, of physical attraction. Now, we're not saying it shouldn't be there. It matters. It should be a, a, it should be a factor, but it should not be the top ranking thing. No, it should be spirit, soul, and body. In Proverbs 31, this is what it says about the virtuous woman. Imagine from verse 10 all the way to verse 31. It does not describe anything about her beauty. 
nothing at all. It's talking about character, who she is. It's talking about her on a spirit and soul level. But in verse 30, it then says, favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman that fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. So the time when we see the Proverbs 31, the time when we see the aspect of beauty come up, the Lord, the, the way it's described is almost as the last criteria. And it's almost that it should not be the main emphasis. Because once again, it says it's the spirit that quickens. It's the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. As you both grow older yes your bodies start to you know not be the same way as they were so if you entered this union with the body the physique and this being the primary the foundation of your marriage that means it's almost like it's a car right it doesn't matter if it's a $100,000 car. Uh, the saying is, the moment you take it off the lot, its price depreciates by, uh, is it 40%? But, it, but yeah, it doesn't matter. The moment you take it off the lot. This is to say that the, the the fundamental, the foundation of your marriage, of your relationship, if it was the bodies, and that's the foundation, and if the bodies, as time goes on, will stop looking like, you know, your 30s, and, 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 you know, there'll be some deterioration. Now, with the grace of God, we go from glory to glory. There's people who look amazing in their 60s, in their 70s. Yes, but the whole point is, if the fundamental, the foundation of your relationship, the anchor, is the thing which is deteriorating, that means your foundation of your romance is deteriorating. So, but if it's the spirit, meaning the spirit grows, it's the spirit that gives life. So if you if you if if you if your if your first connection is your spirit connection. Because the spirit, your spirits will grow as you increase in years, as you advance in years, your spirits just grow and keep becoming more beautiful. So if the main connection was on a spirit level, that means your connection of your marriage will only grow stronger. Because the, 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 the foundation is growing, is only becoming stronger. And then you come down to the soul level where you have mind, will, and emotion. So this is basically, uh, this is connecting on a level of like desires, uh, basically what this person likes to do, what you like to do. So this, there's got to be some compatibility at a soul level, you know, passions, desires, and all these things. Then, of course, you have uh, compatibility on the physical level, you know, where... Yes, you are attracted and you find them, uh, you know, you are attracted to them where, you know, there's just, you know, these, you would, you know, you just, yeah, there's, there's that spark in, in you know, when, when you look at them and, and vice versa. So for sure, but the hierarchy should be spirit, soul and body because the spirit will always grow. You'll always keep growing. Now, isn't it also interesting that when we're talking about marriage should be a connection on spirit, soul, and body level, because in, in 2 Corinthians 6, chapter 11 to 18, Paul talks about this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 11 to 18, Paul talks about this. He says, oh, this is also so good. 
he, he's talking about being unequally yoked. So, and, and that's now, even within the body of Christ, it's, it, it doesn't mean that the only time you are unequally yoked is when you are dating or being or married to someone who's not a believer. No, you can still be within the body of Christ and be still and still be spiritually unyoked, meaning, meaning uh, the level of, of, of spiritual maturity is not similar. Now, there's something to be said about when there is a desire for both people to grow in the spirit. But if you're someone who's spiritually mature, and now you get yoked with someone who's not spiritually mature because they just have no desire in those things, or in, they have no desire to be spiritually mature, then that could create problems. So that's another thing to understand. Because Paul, Paul says in verse 11, he says, Oh, Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You're not restricted to us, but you are restricted by your own affections. <laughs> That's also interesting. Affections. It says, now in return for the same, I speak as to children, you also be open. Do not be unequally yoked together for unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness and what accord has Christ with Belial or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Listen to this part. It says, therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Wow. Come out from among them and be separate. That again goes back to this whole thing of um, separate yourself. The, the best person for you as you come out and you separate yourself and you keep moving closer, closer into the presence of God, into his purpose for your life, into your destiny, into your calling, into you growing to become like Christ, as you separate yourself in that manner, the person who is also doing the same and separating themselves in that manner will be the person that the father now turns around and says, son, meet my daughter. She's comparable to you. Daughter, meet my son. He's comparable to you. And you will sense that there is a connection on spirit, soul, and body. Now, Again, the, the the part that I really wanted to, the other thing that I wanted to talk about, this whole subject of um, what we see in, in the beginning, Genesis, chapter 2, verses um, 18 to 20, yeah, verses 18 to 25. It was also very interesting because I did not even know this like i had not really done research into it in the moment when i read it i asked the lord and it was like a revelation from the spirit about this whole thing of the rib because remember it says that the rib god took out the rib from the man and he used that to form the woman after he forms her he brings her to him now we've already established that he did that as that would apply to us, is for comparability, compatibility as well, if you want to use one of the two. So now the woman is, is similar to the man. You know, your wife is now similar to you. Your husband is similar to you. So ladies as well, you want to look at it from this standpoint, that there's comparability in this aspect. Now, but, you know, in, 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 in this whole thing, there's, there's something to be said about how the Lord does it. Is that he's the one that brings her to him. And then the man, all the man has to do is open his eyes and she's there. And you see this in all other marriages. 
after you go up after the one of Adam and Eve, you see the same thing with um, with 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 Isaac and Rebecca. You see the same thing with with Jacob and and Rachel. You see the same thing with with Ruth and Bo with Boaz and Ruth. Is that is that the Lord God had formed these women, and He brought them to the men. And there's also similarity in, 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 in that both of them were pursuing their call. They were in, in the line of their destiny, in the line of their purpose. That's the same thing we see with Adam. If God had his way, the way God would put marriages by default, if you fully trusted your whole marriage process to the Father, if you fully let him and you surrendered it to him, this is how he would do it. Is he would first put the man. He would make sure that your husband is in his purpose, in his calling, in his destiny. He hasn't yet fulfilled it, but he is in line of his purpose. He is in the line of his destiny. And then he forms you. And during this process of formation, he's creating comparability. He's making sure that you people will be on the same wavelength spiritually, spirit, soul, and body. And then once he's also done with you, Eve, he takes you to him. And all he has to do is open his eyes and say, whoa, man, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. That's, that's the ultimate canvas of how God would do this thing. If, if you really, really, really want to surrender this process to him, and this process doesn't take long. This process doesn't take long. From the moment that you can really surrender the situation unto him, and you say, okay, for me, if you're a guy, say, Lord, put me in my purpose. Where is my garden of Eden? Unveil to me my destiny, my calling. Okay, there's something to be said about seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. This is, this is how you can put this scripture and this is how it applies to the, to the context of marriage. Seek ye first. As a man, this is what I should be doing. Instead of seeking a wife, I should be seeking first my purpose. That God has for me. That should be my priority. And then once I, I have a clear understanding of my purpose and destiny and calling, then now the Lord knows that that's one key, that that's the most important thing has been dealt with. And now I have matured to a level where he can now bring this person into my life to help me fulfill my purpose and destiny. And now fulfilling purpose and destiny is not only for the woman to help the man, it's also for the man to help the woman. Because when scripture says, look unto Abraham, the rock from which you are hewn, it doesn't stop there. It also talks about Sarah. It says, look unto Sarah, your mother Sarah. So, just as Abraham was the father of many nations, so was, so was Sarah. So was Sarah. It says, yeah. It says, look unto Abraham your father and unto Sarah that bear you. So there's a purpose here for, there's a purpose of fulfilling and destiny for both the man and the woman. So what's the purpose of marriage then? I, I really feel that um, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a pause here because I, I want to cut it up into, I want this to be uh, maybe two episodes so that it's easy listening. So in the next episode, in the part two of this, I'm going to dive into what the Lord has been teaching me about. What is the whole essence of marriage? 
because it says in heaven they do not marry. So what's the whole purpose of marriage? So in part two, we shall dive into that. Thank you for tuning in and see you on part two of this subject. Sela. This was Unplugged. We hope this episode blessed your heart. Your host, your host for today was Calvin Cabanda. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode. Thank you.